I'm Benton Crane, and in today's episode, I speak with Brian Fugel, one of the most wanted producers here at Harmon Brothers. We talk about where low-budget ads fit on the funnel and how to use them on the right platform. Unicorns are real. In the past eight years, Harmon Brothers has helped raise five unicorns. Yes, that's five companies with a billion-dollar valuation, with at least six more companies right on the cusp of becoming unicorns. Here on Raising Unicorns, we share the lessons we've learned to help you grow your business by tens or even hundreds of millions of dollars. It's time to start raising a unicorn of your own. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. This is Benton Crane, your host and the CEO of Harmon Brothers. Today, I am joined by the one and only, the venerable Brian Fugel. Welcome to the show, Brian. Thanks for having me. Now, Brian works here at Harmon Brothers. He is a senior producer and a senior post supervisor. Right. For all the non-film dummies like myself, Brian, what is a producer in the film world? A producer is pretty much the person that just tries to make everything happen. Essentially, you get a script and you say, I want to make this script. What do I need to do to make that happen? And the producer will start to piece together all of the things needed to make that script, to turn that script into a video of some form. So the producer's not necessarily in charge of the creative vision. The producer is more in charge of the logistics behind it, correct? Yeah, and there's different kinds of producers. And producer is like one of the most undefined or like flexible titles that people throw around a lot. So there's line producers, there's creative producers, there's just producer, you know, regular producers, associate producers, executive producers. All of those have a different kind of a producing ability, but it all comes down to making, bringing resources together to make stuff happen whether it's budget, people, whatever else is needed to, to make it happen. Yeah, that, that is a funny term for us non-film guys. I remember mm-hmm. coming into this industry and being so confused because, you know, on one end, you've got an executive producer who might have done nothing more than put his name on the film, mm-hmm. right? If you're, yeah. you know, if you've got a Steven Spielberg type name, just putting executive producer, you know, can really drive that film. That's one type of producer, right? All the way down to like a line producer is like a very entry level, much less impactful role in the in, in the project, right? Well, I mean, they'll, they'll be um, helping to manage the budget and like the the line items and make sure that things are are happening there. Whereas, the, is that where the term line comes from? Is it the lines maybe, in the budget? You know, I, uh, it makes sense. So I'll say yes. <laughs> cool, cool. <laughs> okay, post supervisor. What does that mean? So post-supervisor is essentially a producer for post-production. So post-supervisor will make sure that you have all of the key crew and And when we say post-production, we're talking about it already got filmed. Now what's left to do in order to get it out the door? So it can be anything from editing to uh, motion graphics to VFX, visual effects, right? Any of those things. Exactly. The term that we use in, in the industry is once it's in the can, essentially like when there was a film, they would put the film in a can. And that means that it's been shot. And so what happens after that between that, that point and when it's projected on the big screen for movies is post-production. Okay. So now the audience knows who you are and what you do. I want to go into a conversation today about how you can make ads on a tight budget. Now, obviously there's a spectrum for everything, right? Mm-hmm. And at one end of the spectrum, we're talking, pull out your iPhone and talk into it. You know, that, yeah. that's that's one end of the the spectrum of what you can do on a budget, right? Mm-hmm. And then obviously the far other end of the spectrum is when you get up into Hollywood level 
sets, actors, mm-hmm. visual effects, all of these type of things right. to where you can get into the hundreds of thousands or even millions of dollars sometimes. Yep. Right? So yeah. it's like from TikTok up through a Super Bowl ad. That's pretty much the range that we're that's talking a, about. That's a great way to think about it. Yeah. So let's let's aim our conversation today. Let, let's take it up a notch from TikTok. Okay. But let's still... Let's still keep things in this realm where a lot of startup entrepreneurs mm-hmm. can kind of start to dabble. It's stretching them outside of their comfort zone mm-hmm. because their company is at a point where they need to up their game a little bit. Right. But they're still trying to do it on the cheap, right? They're, mm-hmm. they're not yet ready to invest tens or even hundreds of thousands of dollars. Right. So before we dive deep into how to make ads on a budget... Let's talk a little bit about how you ended up where you're at. Sure. Give us the uh, the abbreviated version of your history of how you ended up here. Oh, okay. Well, let's see. The short story is I went out to L.A. to do film school. I essentially just kept doing film school to help pay the bills because I was getting student loans while I was trying to just get whatever jobs I could in the industry. My thought process was I was going to move. I'm from Utah originally. Yep. I was going to move to California absorb everything I could, learn as much as I could, and then bring it back to Utah and apply it here because I just wanted to raise my family here. I wanted to live here. I didn't think, I didn't see um, Los Angeles area being like a long-term goal for me. So you wanted to learn in Hollywood, but Mm -hmm. not necessarily put down roots in Hollywood. Exactly. Because everybody has ways of doing things, but I figured it was best to just go to the source of where things, like where industry standards come from Mm -hmm. is from Los Angeles. And so I decided to just go do film school out there. I always say I did way too much film school. I got a master's degree in film. My my undergrad was in production uh, management. And then I focused on some of the more creative things with like directing and writing in my master's degree. And while I was out there, Like I said, I'd already had the plan of moving back to Utah, and I heard about this little company that was kind of blowing up the internet called Harmon Brothers. It was based in Utah, and I'm like, well, that kind of fits nicely into my life plans. I hope that I can one day work with them when I move back to Utah. Had you thought about ads prior to that? Um, Yeah, I had actually. So the school I went to was Art Center College of Design, and there are certain schools that specialize in certain things in L.A., like UCLA is more indie film. USC is the like big Hollywood uh, movies they kind of pull from USC. Lucas that came out of there, and a lot of big names came out of there. And then I hadn't even heard about it before I moved down there, but then I had a friend recommend to look into Art Center, and they put out a lot of big commercial kind of directors for either ads, like commercial advertising, or commercial big Hollywood movies as well. Like you get Zack Snyder and Michael Bay that have come out of there. Okay. And so very like flashy, big budget, kind of like commercially minded creatives came out of there. Was it Michael Bay who did, who was it who did the original Apple ad? That wasn't Michael Bay. Was oh, it? that was Ridley Scott. Yeah, that was Ridley Scott. Yeah. But Bay started in ads too, didn't he? Uh, yeah. yeah. And so if I remember correctly, he worked on some famous ads. But He I'm did the milk commercial where he gets called, it was like a radio contest and the guy's mouth is full of food. And they're saying, who shot uh, Abraham Lincoln? You know, I don't know if you remember that one from back in the <laughs> yeah, day. It is ringing a bell. Yeah. Well, that was uh, Michael Bay. So he got to start in ads as well. And so I saw and a big influence of mine was Ridley and Tony Scott. And Ridley Scott is a, a fantastic artist. He would always draw his most amazing storyboards. But I don't want to take too much time on, on that. Just to say that I saw advertising as a pathway to filmmaking. Um, from an early age. And so when I saw that there was a school that focused more on the side of commercials and advertising and not so much just on getting into a Hollywood studio position Mm -hmm. that may or may not lead to a job 
I mean, there's no clear path for anything, really. And and so when I found out that Harmon Brothers was a big agency exploding out of Utah, I made a goal that when I moved back to Utah, I would do whatever I could to start working with them and maybe one day work for them. And now here I am. Cool. And yeah. we're happy to have you on the team. Well, thanks. You're coming at this from a filmmaker's perspective, mm-hmm. but obviously you see advertising as a type of opportunity to apply your filmmaking skills, Yeah, it's right? all storytelling, you yeah. know. Talk to us about what approach you would take if you were in in the shoes of, of a startup entrepreneur who needs mm. video ads on the internet. Okay. There's two sides of any kind of, any video. Most videos have something visual. They also have something like a sound element to them, whether it's dialogue or music or something to help the audience engaged. So at the very least, you want to get a camera and you want to get some decent audio recording equipment. And sometimes that's built into the camera, but most of the time it's something separate. How would you make the decision between when do I just shoot this on my iPhone Hmm. versus when do I go rent a camera? That's a great question. And that's actually something I've struggled with because of my training in those medium to large size productions. It's hard for me to think on a, on a smaller scale than that, mm-hmm. but it is very important to be able to scale your ad for your audience. And that's what it really comes down to. No matter what kind of storytelling or filmmaking specifically you're getting into, if you want it to be successful, you have to know your audience. That's most important even in, a, in advertising because if you want to have a successful advertisement, you need to speak to your audience and get them to to do whatever you're asking them to do, whether it's click on a link or or buy your product or just listen to what you have to say. I have a personal rule of thumb mm-hmm. on, on how I think about this question of, you know, when do I shoot it on my iPhone versus, mm-hmm. you know, when do I start to get into nicer cameras? I really love the analogy of a fruit tree, right, mm-hmm. where any entrepreneur needs to look at the marketplace as this proverbial fruit tree and know that there's low-hanging fruit in their marketplace These are the customers who are prime, ready, willing, wanting to buy what they have. And the further up the tree you go, the less and less, let's call it prime, the the customer becomes, right? The more convincing that it takes, Mm -hmm. the, the further up the tree you go. An entrepreneur who always focuses on the low-hanging fruit is going to have short-term success. But if they have any aspirations of turning their company into a household brand that is widely known and loved and recognized, they're eventually going to have to move up the tree, right? Right. They're going to have to figure out how to reach the customers who are harder to reach, harder to convince. Mm -hmm. And in order to get the broad scale... They have to reach higher into that tree, right? Because the low-hanging fruit portion of the tree, that's a tiny part of the market. Right. Right. And and you could have, you know, to use that analogy, you could have people that all you need to do is put an image in front of them saying, we're having like a 10% off sale for whatever it is, and they will buy it. You don't have to have any kind of flashy video at all. Because they're so primed. Yeah, because they're so ready. And they're just like, oh, I've wanted that anyway. And I was going to buy it even without a discount. So, And and then on the other end of things, you see people that see like Harmon Brothers ads, for example. They say, I wasn't even looking for this, but this ad was so awesome that I want to buy it now. That means further up the tree. That's way up higher in the tree. Yep. They Mm -hmm. weren't looking for it. They weren't primed. They weren't ready. Mm -hmm. But because we were able to capture their attention, hold their attention, educate them, build credibility, overcome concerns, all of those things... By the time they get done watching the ad, they're like, oh, man, I need this. You know, whatever it is, I need a purple mattress. I need Lumi deodorant, whatever. Back to that question of iPhone versus nicer equipment, Mm -hmm. I like to think of it of who are you talking to? Are you still with the low-hanging fruit? If you are, 
talk to them via iPhone, right? Because they're so prime, they're so ready. They don't care about the look, the feel, the uh, the emotion, the polish, all of those things. But over time, as you work your way higher up into that tree, you have to start to think about some polish, professionalism, some emotion that takes it to a higher level, mm-hmm. not necessarily to an Apple level, right? right. But you've got to be trending in that direction. Yeah. Back to that question, it, it basically just comes down to what stage is your business at? And the, and the platform also might help you to decide that as well. Good point. And what we found out recently, especially with TikTok becoming more of a big thing, a lot of the commercials that appear on TikTok, at least for me, if it seems produced, if it seems like it has too much production value, it actually turns people off to it. They will swipe away or click away faster because they it's such a break from what they're consuming on that platform that it's smart for advertisers to try to match what people expect depending on the platform. Yeah, it, it's interesting how in an environment where authenticity mm-hmm. is so valued, that that's a good point, that overproducing can take away from that authenticity and actually hurt you. Right. Great, great point. Let's say the entrepreneurs that we're talking to are trying to graduate from that iPhone stage. Uh-huh where that's what they've done to this point. They've found some success. They've figured out how to talk to the low-hanging fruit customers. Mm -hmm. Now they're trying to reach a little higher up into the tree. Now they're trying to put a little bit more polish on the brand because they want to start to set their brand up Mm -hmm. for the long term. They want it to stand the test of time. Now we know they're going to be starting to get into some nicer equipment. We're not talking top of the line here. Yeah. But they're prosumer as we call it. Not professional, just like DSLR, you know, kind of that mid mid range prosumer area. How do you recommend they get started? In terms of getting equipment? Yeah, that that's part of it, right? Right. But but let's let's talk holistic. How are they gonna get from where they're at of needing video uh-huh. to where they actually have video to put put out on the internet? Yeah. Once you start to branch out beyond who is already primed and ready for your product, then you have to start convincing, right? Then you have to start doing more of the storytelling. Your story is your brand. And so the first step is to find out what your story is and then figure out what the best way of telling that story is at your budget level. And and you may feel like, oh, to best tell the story, I need a huge budget, you know, to be able to do that. But one of the things that we discover a lot over and over again is that limitations in our budget usually force creativity in ways that we never expected. So there are very low-budget ways of telling your story and getting your story out there that you'll discover when when you don't have the luxury of you know blank check to mm-hmm. make your ad. So first step is to find out what your story is, and then discover what's the best way you can tell that within the within the limits that you have. So let's say you only have a DSLR camera and maybe like a Zoom recorder and you a have... A Zoom recorder is essentially a microphone system, right? Yeah, a microphone. It's a yeah audio recorder. You plug a microphone into or a lav mic. It just plugs into this recorder and gets separate audio so it's nice and clean and, and professional sounding, right? Mm-hmm. You could have a one-man band. A lot of people make their careers off of being kind of a one-man band, making these kind of like run-and-gun, guerrilla filmmaking kind of uh, ads that only require one or, or two people. Sometimes they're even setting up their own lights themselves or just going out. And if it's just getting some footage, just like I said, run and gun in natural light, and they just come up with ways to make that look good and professional, even though it's just one person pretty much mm. doing everything. How does an entrepreneur make the decision of, okay, when do I go the DIY route versus when do I go hire some help? You know, maybe I'm hiring that run and gun filmmaker yeah. or 
you know, maybe I'm renting the camera and shooting it myself. How, how do you make a decision like that? I think it requires some honest feedback from people you trust. Whether you're able to make content like that yourself that is effective, maybe I would just try doing it. You never know until you try. And so I would, I would recommend that they try making the kind of content that they want to make and then get honest feedback from people. But yeah, just like third-party feedback that will tell them if it's working or not. And if it's not, then find people that are doing the kind of, kinds of things that you want to do at the, around the price range and then see if you can hire them to do it for you. Yeah, I remember a couple of years ago, we put out a course called Easy Ads That Sell. It, it was part of our Harmon Brothers University curriculum, which essentially we were just trying to build training to train our own people. Mm-hmm. And then uh, there was enough demand for it that we just also released it to the public to help other people learn these skills too. And And what we found was that there were people who took the course and learned the skills and immediately applied them and had amazing success with them. But then there was also a percentage of people who took the course, learned the skills, and then went, can I just hire someone else to do this? Can I hire you guys to do this? Right. And that's totally fine. You know, I think each of us are blessed with God-given strengths that Mm -hmm. when we apply our own strengths, we become superhuman in one particular area. Right. And it's totally fine to lean on other people who have strengths that that we don't have. A similar thing happened in, in my life, like my route that I took versus my brother who was also in storytelling, filmmaking world, right? I did a bunch of film school. I wanted to learn as much as I could by myself to be confident, right? So that I could do those things. And I think what that comes down to, what you're talking about is some people gain those, that knowledge. They're confident enough to go and do it themselves, even if they don't have the experience that others feel like they need to have to back it up. And they just tell themselves, oh, I can't do this. I don't do this. This isn't me. Even though they've learned the things that they need to know to do it, some people just are bold and do it, and some people are, still don't feel confident enough to. That's kind of how I was. I'm like, I need the experience to be able to back up anything that I do. I'm, I'm going to fake it till I make it a little bit less than maybe some other people. Mm-hmm. But, but you know, fortune favors the bold. If you have the personality type that is just gung-ho and just do it and figure it out as you go, then it's going to probably take you pretty far. Where have you seen decision points come in of like, should I just do this myself or do I need to be seeking out someone else who's more specialized to do it? Talk us through through some of those experiences that you've faced. Hmm. That's a, that's a great question. I mean, um, ultimately, we always have a creative director, right, that, that we can kind of check our ideas against. They oversee the creative they vision, right? Oversee it from, from beginning to end, in the, but not hands-on necessarily. They'll just answer questions, especially creative questions along the way and, and work with the producer and the postal supervisor to make sure that deadlines are being met, you know, Mm -hmm. but when it comes to the specialists themselves, I mean, to one, to some extent they're being hired for their expertise. Right. And so that gives them a level of confidence to make those decisions because they are kind of the expert in the room. And then they just need to have the humility, enough humility to, get feedback. And even if they don't agree with something or somebody says something should be done differently, um, it's talking through that and figuring out the best way to approach something, even when you're getting feedback from people that aren't specialists. One of the things that the entrepreneurs are going to face as they go through this process, right, is always this question of what do I do myself Mm -hmm. versus what do I hire out? Right. And that's not a one-time decision. It's not just like, do I hire the whole ad out? The entrepreneur has to make that decision several times through because there's the writing process. 
then there's the production process and then the filming process and 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 the post-production process and all along the way the entrepreneur is being faced with that decision right i do it myself have a learning curve got to dive in takes time takes effort or do i hire it out in your career what have you done when you've been faced with that decision of do it myself versus hire it out there's a thing that goes around and says it can be good it can be cheap or it can be fast you can have two of those. You can't have all three, right? Well, we never sacrifice our quality. So then for us, it becomes, do we have more time to do it or do we get more budget to do it? You know what I mean? So for example, we're working on an ad right now for VidAngel and it's really innovative because we're having the spokesperson for the first time be not a human. It's a talking dog. Okay. And it creates its own challenges. And usually when they come up with the creative directors or the writers come up with these crazy ideas, then you, they usually call up me or Bryson, who's our VFX specialist. And they're like, we really want to do this thing. We can do that, right? <laughs> and usually we say, yeah. And we're thinking, yes, in theory, we'll figure it out. And then the challenge becomes, okay, how do we make it work within our time frame and within our budget? Yep. And so, so the challenge was to then find people that were specialists and experts in that world of, okay, animation. Making a dog's face yeah. and mouth move almost human. Exactly. Move like a human, but still look photoreal as like not a cartoon dog. This is a real looking dog that has mouth movements that look, that are more human than they are dog, Right. It's not um, a real looking dog. It was a real dog. It right? is a real dog that we then. You're superimposing those movements onto yeah, it. Uh-huh. And so my first thing was, okay, um, to make this happen, we have to make sure we put more budget than normal into post-production because there's going to be some learning there and there's going to be some, you know, bumps along the way. But we also have to hire this out to people who are specialists in these fields that we don't normally do. We start to look at, okay, who has more experience working with these kind of specialists, animation houses or or freelancers that do this kind of work. And so we found somebody who had already had a working relationship with those people. That's when we decided it was, it was a good, better idea to hire it out than it was to do it ourselves because the amount of learning that we would have to do in this very specific skill set uh, or like umbrella of, of 3D, it would have taken too long for us to learn everything we needed to do and probably been too expensive for us to learn that. What happened along the way is one of those people that was a specialist in tracking the movement of the dog's head ended up not being available. And for what he was available for, it was a lot more expensive than we had budgeted for. And so we looked into it and we realized that within the resources that we have with in-house, we could learn it and do it ourselves for significantly less than that, that person was, was going to charge us for. And like I said, and also the timeline wasn't really lining up. So it kind of ended up being a little bit of both coming back to your question, right? Some it was pieces a, of it were hired out, mm -hmm. other pieces of it, it's like, we're just going to figure this out. The smart, yeah, the smartest thing for us to do was to hire a specialist to do that and still meet our deadlines and, and make it look as good as it needs to be. Yeah, I love it. I mean, dirty little secret about myself, right? I'm the CEO of an ad agency that's pretty famous. Uh -huh. I have no idea how to run a camera. <laughs> Literally no idea how to, how to run a camera. I don't even know how to turn the thing on. Right. And I think it's important for entrepreneurs to understand that lean into your superpowers and surround yourself with, with people who are strong where you're weak. Yeah, definitely. Brian and I have been talking in a lot of general terms, right? We haven't gone into the specifics of any one type of ad. And quite frankly, we don't have the opportunity to go to that level of detail on, mm -hmm. on any type of ad. Right. For the listener who is listening to this and saying, okay, that's all great in terms of these general terms, 
I'm ready to get going. I know I'm going to be doing some stuff myself. I know I'm going to hire some people out, but I need some specifics of how and what to do. For those people, if they want an extra resource or some extra guidance, a great one is our Easy Ads That Sell course in Harmon Brothers University. It covers, if my memory serves correctly, it's like 13 ad types that are all designed to be very low budget, very entry level, very approachable, very easy, to the point where some of these you could like bust out in a couple hours sitting on your couch. And if you do need help, it's probably going to be like hiring a junior high level editor, right? Some of these are that simple. And yet we've driven millions and millions of dollars in sales for our clients using those very type of ads. For the people who would find interest and value there, I highly recommend go to HarmanBrothersUniversity.com. Check out easy ads that sell. Okay, Brian, this has been a very helpful conversation. I think a lot of people would get a lot of value of that. Let's summarize some of the points that are great takeaways from this conversation. So point number one, how do we choose between iPhone versus higher end production stuff? Yeah, it goes back to knowing your audience and knowing what platforms you're going to be putting these videos on and then just finding the sweet spot there of like, who are they and what do they want to see and, and uh, what's going to convince them to, to buy your product or click through? Yep. And what stage your business is at? Are you trying to establish your brand for the long haul? Do you have sufficient sales mm -hmm. that allows you to invest more heavily in, into your brand? Those type of things. Are they, are they low-hanging fruit or are they going to need a little bit more convincing, a little bit more razzle-dazzle? That's right. How does an entrepreneur choose between do-it-yourself versus hire out? And again, that comes back to like, what are you confident doing yourself? What do you feel like you could learn how to do yourself? And then do you have time to do it all yourself? And then hire out the rest and, and hire out people that are ultimately that make you look good. Love it. All right. For our listeners, if you want to dive into any further details, don't hesitate to reach out to us. Go to harmanbrothers.com. You can check us out there. You can reach out for help. Connect with me on LinkedIn. Connect with Brian on you can find me on Instagram, Brian Fugel. Just look me up. There's not many of me out there that have that name, so you'll probably find me. I post awesome. about Harmon Brothers stuff, so you'll see that I'm the one. Awesome. All right, Brian, thanks for coming on the show. Appreciate you sharing your experience. Love, love being here. Thanks for having me. If this episode gave you any good ideas, then give us a follow. That way we know you're interested and we'll be able to create more episodes you'll love.